machine learning models, they don't take decisions. Uh, models, they make predictions. And then it's up to you to actually use those predictions to make those decisions that make sense for you. Welcome, everybody, to the Surf AI Innovators podcast, a podcast where we look at how artificial intelligence and machine learning can help and benefit education and research. And we are now at episode seven already. And in this episode, we have Julio Soto from Amazon AWS. Julio is the head of the machine learning and AI solutions lab for Europe. That sounds very, very interesting. Hello, everybody. Hello, Duke. Hey, Andres. Good to be here again. Great. Great to see you and hear you. Hi, Thomas. Hey. Hey, Andres. So the hosts from SURF are here. The AI Innovators team is here and ready. And Julio is here as well. Hi, Julio. Hi, everybody. How are you? Thanks for having me here. Julio, thanks. We really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with us. And we have we have a lot of lot of questions for you. The the first one we were thinking about is how on earth did you end up in this AI ML domain? It wasn't something that when we were young you could say, oh, I'm gonna be an AI specialist, right? Oh, definitely not. And uh it's kind of funny because actually I don't have a machine learning or AI background. I am an old fashioned engineer in telecommunication. And uh, it kind of, uh, kind of started very uh, interesting my path in machine learning because I was a solution architect for Amazon Web Services working in the public sector. So helping, you know, um, uh, universities or government to uh, start understanding how cloud computing could really make a dent and could really help uh, for their processes and businesses. Um, but um, at a certain point, it was 2014, 2015, um, Amazon came up with this fantastic thing called Amazon Alexa and Amazon Echo. And I am a very uh, geek uh, fan of Star Trek. And so the first time that I actually, uh, you know, saw uh, the Echo device and I started talking with Alexa, you know, immediately it reminded me of uh, the computer of Star Trek. You know, I can remember you know, Picard asking computer, um, where are the Klingons or uh, a red alert? And so, um, you know, I started to, to try to understand how it worked. But, um, you know, the passion about um, the, the, the layers behind Alexa uh, brought me to actually apply <laughs> to an Alexa position in Amazon uh, as an internal. So from uh, Amazon Web Services uh, Solution Architecture, I moved to uh, Amazon Alexa, uh, leading the technical teams here in Europe. And uh, to be honest, one of the most compelling reasons for me to actually join the Alexa team was because I really wanted to understand how it, how it worked. And so uh, that's when that was when I actually started to understanding things like you know, natural language processing and natural language understanding. So I uh, really become passionate about the topic. And at a certain point, um, we in Amazon Web Services um, decided that we really wanted to uh, kind of share 
the experience we had, uh, you know, doing machine learning, you know, 20 years in Amazon with other customers. And so we embarked into this uh, uh, new team called Machine Learning Solutions Lab, which has exactly the goal to help customers, you know, accelerate uh, the, the adoption of machine learning. And um, so I joined back um, AWS for leading this team. And that was amazing again, because uh, you know I had another excuse to actually go deeper and not only move to uh, from NLP um, and, uh, and uh, natural language understanding, but actually going deeper in computer vision and other topics. So that's basically how it started. <laughs> from nice. Back, I would say. <laughs> and nice, nice, Julio. And about that lab thingy now, is that like really a lab with a lot of devices floating around and you walking around in a lab coat and, and talking to all these Alexa devices? Uh, we don't yet have the Doctor Who, uh, you know, phone booth, but um, the, the, the lab is uh, really hands-on. So we, uh, what we do is, um, is um, pairing with the customer's development team data scientists and uh, co-developing with them models that really can bring value to the business and uh, sometimes even pushing the envelope of what you can do with AI and machine learning. So that's a fantastic journey because you can see uh, how machine learning is actually real now. It's something that, uh, you know, it's not only on the academic side. You know, a few years ago, uh, it was uh, a very interesting topic to study. But right now we are seeing the application everywhere. And uh, that's amazing because you can see it from, you know, uh, autonomous cars uh, till, you know, the phone that we have uh, every day with us. So that's a in very interesting field. I like the analogy that you have with uh, Star Trek. I have a similar thing with, uh, you might know that TV series Knight Rider where Michael Knight was always talking to his car and he had this watch that he could talk to his car. Man, who would have thought when we were little, right? That one day we could talk to our watch as well. And then you can talk to devices like this. It's, it's oh, amazing. Yeah. You can actually talk with your car now, right? And uh, pretty pretty soon, actually, they can drive our, our basically everybody was uh, like it did in the, in the series. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm I'm just wondering because I the whole um, Star Trek uh, talking to the computer as an inspiration to get into this uh, talking assistant thing um, really make, it makes me think of a friend of mine during my studies who basically did, had had the same uh, uh, story story arc almost. How many of your colleagues have these uh, the same um, uh, ambitions now coming from the fact that they watched Star Wars when they uh, Star Trek when they were younger. Oh, that's a dangerous, dangerous. <laughs> that's dangerous a dangerous don't compare them. Don't compare them. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm also a Star Star Wars fan, so that's good. Um, and we have androids uh, there as well, so so I think it makes sense. But um, uh, I think that um, this is something very very important is that. Uh, again, I was saying, you know, Amazon does machine learning 20 years, uh, for more than 20 years now, you know, from supply chain optimization to a recommendation system. But um, I really think that the key uh, uh, for making machine learning more accessible is uh, to actually make it easier. Uh, it's, uh, one thing is, uh, you know, requiring data scientists or practitioner to actually do machine learning. Another thing is actually having everybody, every developer, uh, being able to to create you know applications, smart application with machine learning. That's exactly what is happening in the market, I think. Uh, so what we are trying to do is 
I, I, I would call it democratizing AI and machine learning, making very easy for uh, everyone that has, you know, um, traditional computer skill development, um, you know, being able to create those uh, uh, smart applications themselves. And that's basically what we did. And uh, so I am sure that there are plenty of Star Trek fans uh, everywhere in the tech industry. And um, now we are giving all of them the ability actually to create models and create uh, interesting application with that. Yeah, great. I think it's certainly interesting. And we'd love to hear more about the modeling work and, and how you and your colleagues try and make this accessible. It's always striking to us that, that we think AI and ML are already around us, right? It has already an impact on, on people's lives. Is that also that you see that it's already here today? And do you perhaps have some examples of how machine learning already impacts people's daily lives? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that um, a lot of applications uh, of machine learning, um, they are here and we probably don't even know that they are here among us. So for example, uh, every time we swipe our credit card, uh, most likely there is a machine learning algorithm that is uh, figuring out if it's a legitimate transaction and uh, you know fraud detection basically identifying if uh, um, is really you or somebody uh, you know that stole your credit card number this one is um, an application that we um, of machine learning that we actually see every day but you probably don't realize that is behind or um, you know we we are watching uh, video streaming and we are watching shows um, and there is a recommender system maybe that is uh, suggesting us what to watch next again this one is, is an application of uh, machine learning or many of us um, especially um, some of us that live in countries that are multilingual we train ourselves and we try to learn new languages and there are applications such as uh, you know, Duolingo that use machine learning to suggest uh, you know, exercises that you might want to do. So there are a number of applications of machine learning that we actually use today, even in our phone. But um, still, I think we are entering the golden age. So um, I'm fairly optimistic that uh, uh, this is uh, just the beginning of our journey, you know, using AI ML. We are seeing a lot of things already, but um, more to come, I guess. You mentioned something interesting around learning, learning languages. I think we all come from a generation where at school you had to learn a lot of languages. Is that still necessary? Or can I just get my translator out and speak Italian to you? <laughs> Uh, well, definitely there are um, services that helps you in that direction. Uh, I mentioned Duolingo um, as an example, but uh, uh, sometimes is uh, very useful even in um, traditional, uh, uh, you know, learning situation. For example, let's say that you have an interesting video that you want to watch. Uh, previous generation, we had translators, you know, uh, translating every single video in a different language. Now you can use uh, services like, you know, Amazon Translate is one of them, uh, where you, you can transcribe first your, um, your audio and then uh, have translation uh, on top of it. I think it's, 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 it's interesting because it opens so many possibilities. I think, again, it makes more accessible the content, uh, which is uh, another advantage of those uh, services.
And, and um, I'm just wondering, like, if we take um, conversation, of course, all us uh, here ha have learned a second language, which is the language you are talking in right now, <laughs> uh, which is always a bit different, right, than your own language to uh, pronounce, to, to make your point and to uh, be detailed. Um, if we talk about these um, uh, models translating languages, um, do you think at some point they will be able to... Um, um uh, be a serious competitive competition for learning another language in the way of understanding these nuances like um the fact that another language might make you think in another way as well hmm. i don't think it's going to be a competition again it's a tool i think it's going to help us uh, you know understanding um maybe dialects maybe um different um different meaning um that we give to words in different uh, languages. Um, again, talking about dialects, you can, uh, you, you of course can can tell that I'm Italian right from my accent, and I'm surprised um, how, for example, Alexa can really recognize my English. Uh, um, so I think we are we are getting there. Uh, again, is a is a is a long way. We are in the early journey, uh, but uh, definitely I, I believe that um, you know quickly enough. We can reach a point where we we can freely talk uh, and um, you know using other interfaces to communicate with technology, which I actually think is one of the most interesting aspect of AIML. So uh, another thing that is is actually doing is um, removing barriers to interact with technology. So for example, we have uh, uh, we were talking about voice and how we can now finally interact with machines with voices. Uh, but another uh, next step can be, uh, you know, in, in interacting with gestures or uh, or location. Actually, you know, I'm uh, close to my home, so you know everything can be connected through AI and understanding. Okay, so this time of the night, this is probably what I want to do. So, so um, I think that's a super interesting uh, distinction there because I I do agree. Like it's completely changing the way we're interacting with. Uh, technologies also the way we're interacting with our surroundings because our surroundings are getting more and more uh, uh, having embedded systems in them uh, so that a uh, um, uh, barrier between the physical and the digital domain is is blurring uh, well every day getting more and more blurred um, for me it seems like there's still, still a difference uh, if we talk about interaction between when I for example uh, would um, I, I set my lights at home uh, each morning to wake me up, right? So they um, uh, slowly get brighter. That wakes me up. It's 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 a setting that I have set because I want to wake up at that time. Um, and at some point, you can also get this, like you suggest, uh, Julio, um, that based on your location, the system knows what you might want to be doing. Uh, at what point does it change from interaction to? Um, I want to say influence, it's not completely the right word, but um, where you're not no longer consciously interacting with the system, but the system is shaping your surroundings, uh, even perhaps with your knowledge or vaguely with your knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting question. So one thing that I, that I always tell my customers is um, uh, machine learning models 
they don't take decisions. Uh, models, they make predictions. And then it's up to you to actually use those predictions to make those decisions that make sense for you. So um, like every technology, we need to use it um, as a tool for helping uh, whatever we are doing. So um, yeah, basically, um, you want to use the technology in the way that is uh, most useful to you and supporting your life. So that makes sense. Do, talking about the word predictions, that's a difficult question, perhaps. But do, do you have a vision on where this will be heading in the next five years? Well, where will where will we be in twenty twenty five? Yeah, um, we're talking about prediction. You're asking me to make a prediction, yes. right? Don't ask Alexa now, please. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think, uh, as I was saying, we are just entering the journey. And I think that probably in five years, we are not going to talk that much about machine learning and AI because it would be so ubiquitous. It would be probably so common to have application that have some some flavor of AI ML that it would be like, you know, talking right now about um, mobile application, having icons and having a touch interface, it would be natural. So that's where I actually see that we are going. Uh, and, uh, and again, this is, uh, this is something that you can do um, only if uh, machine learning and AI isn't something that is uh, only in the domain of scientists and uh, people that actually have knowledge of the inner uh, machine learning algorithm. So it's something that you can only reach if you make um, the ability to create application using AIML available to everybody that has uh, some IT skills. That still sounds, <clears throat> sorry, that still sounds uh, for me abstract that everyone will have mm -hmm. access to creating AI driven applications. Um, maybe you have an example of such an application where people took um, uh, AI and um, made a product or made something uh, which actually surprised you that, uh, or maybe to frame it a bit different, um, people took AI and, and made something uh, where it was not expected. Do you have any examples? Yes, I have a few. Um, so when I say that we need to make uh, AI more accessible, uh, the way we are doing, for example, in uh, AWS is um, to provide options to developers and scientists in the sense that uh, depending on what is the level of your skill um, or your skills in general, uh, you can choose, for example, to go in the, uh, in the deepest layer. So you have access to the framework such as you know, TensorFlow of PyTorch and the uh, deep learning uh, virtual machines that, uh, that you want to use for making your models. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, if you don't really want, uh, or maybe you don't have data to train your models, uh, because machine learning usually needs a lot of data to get uh, meaningful results, uh, you can use API uh, services basically with just a quick call. Uh, to, to one of our services, for example, recognition, uh, which is for computer vision, you have as a result uh, labels that tells you, okay, uh, what I see in this picture is a cat or is a dog or is a car. So uh, there is one example which uh, uh, 
which is interesting. So there is a, a, an Amazon employee, which is uh, not, I would say probably, which was <laughs> not a developer, uh, but a program manager. And uh, he had a very serious issue. Uh, he has a cat and he's an outdoor cat. So uh, you probably know if you have cats that goes outdoors that uh, they have a singular habit. They just go and hunt, you know, <laughs> little animals in the garden. And so usually what they do is they bring you this present at home. And so basically <laughs> this, um, his colleague, he didn't really want to have those, you know, corpses <laughs> of little rodents uh, laying around in the house. And with no uh, machine learning skills, what he did basically was uh, using a device that we have, which is exactly for educational purpose, which is called um, Amazon Deep Lenses, and uh, created through Amazon SageMaker, which is a platform that helps you to create um, models and we're using you know, computer vision algorithms or any other types of uh, machine learning algorithm. And he created uh, this application all by himself. Again, he was not a machine learning data scientist that could identify when the cat was coming close to the door with something in his mouth. And if he had something in his mouth, it did is basically blocked the door, so the cat couldn't enter until it dropped <laughs> uh, the the prey. So this is a this is a nice example of um, you know somebody that doesn't have initially machine learning skills can still make meaningful application, uh, and I think it's fun because it's an everyday problem that has been solved you know, by by again somebody that didn't have those skills before. I would like to get that code, please, because I have the same uh, issue with my uh, with my uh, with with my cat. I'm still waiting on on the next level to try and prevent my cat from from hunting and and bringing me those uh, presents, so to so to speak. I think it's a very nice description, also where we are at at the moment and and, and how we look at what what companies like AWS and others are doing. On the one hand, we see these tools being used by high-end research for very specialized tools where the real experts have the abilities to create their own models and processing, etc. And on the other hand, the democratizing part that you already mentioned, Julio, in getting it in the hands of mere mortals, so to speak, and in having it towards a broader user base, that's something that we are very interested in, in, in how education and research more broadly can can apply what is what is available and we would love to get your 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 views on this on how you see the opportunities for research and education to more broadly adapt available services yes um there are different aspects where I see machine learning can really help uh, the education field and research. And um, I would say that basically is um, um, we can kind of depict it as a journey, like what is the student journey, you know, approaching the education system. And there is, a, for example, the, uh, the, the possibility of helping students identifying what is 
the perfect matching with their uh, aspiration and the courses available or the or, or the uh, or the university so initially you know when a student goes and decide where to go for example in the in which university which class to attend um, here i see a very useful application of machine learning so uh, identifying what are the best available uh, possibilities for the future of a student. Uh, other things are, for example, um, once the, the student is enrolled, um, similar to the recommendation system again, what are the courses that he might want to follow? Or even, you know, creating guardrails and understanding, okay, uh, we need to pay more attention to the student um, uh, because he might uh, fall behind. So we have some tele telemetry basically about what he's doing um, uh, in his um, university life um, and, and stu studies so that we, we can recommend some actions. So those are, for example, few examples. And we have, for example, the University of Portland, the State University of Portland, that is uh, applying those type of um, systems to understand what, what are the guardrails and which kind of support they can give to their students. Um, when it comes to identifying um, uh, which uh, courses or which lessons are more useful for a particular students. We have example in the, the online learning um, landscape where again, you can suggest what to take or what, what is uh, going next. And then of course there is the uh, incredibly interesting research field. And um, there, I would say um, the possibilities are handless and we actually see it in practice. So. A few weeks ago, um, I was participating uh, in a roundtable with some of our customers from Latino America. And uh, um, two of those customers were, uh, they were, were basically trying to understand how they could help in this uh, situation where we are, uh, all of us, with COVID-19, right? So uh, one of those customers is uh, Clinica Las Condes in Chile. What they are doing is uh, using computer vision uh, techniques uh, to identifying um, uh, problems or anomalies in X-ray uh, images of you know chests, and so identifying, for example, potential indicators of COVID-19 um, issues. Uh, another customer was actually um, um, is actually Rumi.it, who is making robots that they are deploying, for example, in, um, in hospitals or airports. And again, one of the things that we learned in this situation is that we need to avoid contacts as much as possible. And so this robot has uh, a conversational AI, so you can actually speak to the robot using Amazon Lex, understand what you're saying, and can give you indication of what you might want to do, um, or even take your temperature um, with a... Uh, with a, um, with a thermometer, um, uh, remote thermometer. And so uh, this is an interesting field on how machine learning is really helping uh, you know, in, um, in this situation as well. And again, research is bigger than that, but uh, um, one, one important thing is, again, going back to the, the concept of democratizing is that you know, uh, years ago, uh, machine learning was uh, something that uh, only 
big research centers or big industries could afford. The reason is because, uh, as I said before, a lot of uh, machine learning algorithms, they need data. They need big data to be trained. You know, if we are talking about recognizing cat and dogs, we are, you know, in, in, in around 10,000 or even more uh, images that you need to process uh, for, you know, having some meaningful results. And so a uh, few years ago, that was only something big enterprises or big um, um, research centers could afford. But now with cloud computing, it's something that uh, everybody can do. And so you can train yourself, your own model, you can, um, you can, um, use GPUs uh, um, at scale. So when it comes to the research, this is an advantage because basically every university, every recent, recent uh, research center now have the ability to do the same type of researches that were uh, only something big uh, uh, companies or um, centers could do a few years ago. So I think this one is a great advantage that we are bringing to science. Maybe uh, uh, a question about uh, that. Uh, I, I heard an interesting quote uh, lately, which said, ICT problems are never really about ICT. Uh, so we have big access now to cloud computing and storage and GPUs and everything. But do you see, what, what are some of the problems you see with that? It's, it's, could you comment on that? Or do you, are, are there no problems? Or what's your vision on that? Yeah, I don't really see problems. Uh, is uh, is a matter of understanding how it works. It's probably more like um, uh, probably an education. <laughs> Allow me to use this uh, this word. It's probably like um, uh, let people and let business uh, owners uh, understand how it works. Is a different is a different environment uh, but uh, we have successful story everywhere you know in europe the us uh, uh, america and asia everywhere of um, governments or education using cloud computing is a different process but uh, everywhere they are realizing that is uh, is definitely useful oh yeah so um I was just thinking about the the so it's slightly different the democratizing uh, AI part. Uh, what's of course really nice what you see right now is is in in AWS and and uh, services like it like Azure and the Google Cloud Platform you see these um, cognitive services um, um, uh, and SageMaker and those kinds of applications which make it easier to access AI and machine learning for um, uh, a lot of lots of different people. Uh, but with it also, um, at least in the Netherlands, comes uh, comes the worry that there's only a few of these platforms available right now. So uh, th th there's basically three of these um, uh, that are big enough. Do you see in the future um, that as part of the sort of democratizing effort of AI that there will be more of these kinds of platforms or will that happen somewhere else? Um, do you have an insight in that? Uh, when you say platform, do you mean frameworks to use? Uh, no, more like the, the compute platform. So, uh, um, for example, if uh, as an institute you would like to uh, um, apply uh, certain machine learning uh, algorithms, you need to run them somewhere. So they might choose Azure, they might choose AWS. Um, uh, but the amount of these platforms is quite quite limited. And, and um, 
so the worry is once you've committed to one of these these uh, platforms um, and services, it's difficult uh, to switch. Mm. So, uh, first of all, I think competition is always good. Uh, if uh, can bring, um, uh, if if you can help basically customers, so we we really welcome that. Um, I think that uh, one thing I, ca I can't speak, of course, for for Google on Azure, but um, what we are trying to do is um, is to give options to uh, to our customers. So, for example, uh, we don't pretend that we uh, that we have uh, you know a framework which is you know better than the others. Like, for example, you know, uh, is TensorFlow better than PyTorch? or uh, MXNet. So our philosophy is to really give uh, options. So uh, if a developer wants to use one framework uh, because they are used to it, they can use it. Um, and, uh, and again, we are in a field which is um, um, very innovative. So uh, we probably are going to see different frameworks, different applications, different tools coming um, Coming up, uh, you know, in the in the in the next decade or in the next years, uh, quickly. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, the, the 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 cool the cool thing is to 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 have a platform that where you can uh, really experiment and uh, you know have ideas and try it, and then when you get value, then you decide what to do next. But again, the uh, one thing that I really believe is a key differentiator that we have, for example, in, in Amazon Web Services is this one. So the ability to uh, have the customer using whatever options they, they, they want for their models, the type of technology and, uh, and such. So not, you know, not by default forcing them to use one thing. Yeah, uh, so, so you, if I understand you correctly, you expect the, the layer of, of um, um, uh, services or like uh, TensorFlow, PyTorch, those kinds of, of um, uh, frameworks, that those will stay sort of agnostic of the platform on which they run, um, 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 that that's two separate parts of, of sort of the machine learning equation, the, the compute power and the, and the frameworks themselves. Yes. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah, it was a, a quick intermezzo. I was just uh, thinking about it. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a worry I know at least um, uh, amongst our members. Uh, but it's, uh, what I really like is that you see these um, uh, frameworks. They seem uh, relative to a lot of other um, uh, ICT applications to be still very developed in in an open source sort of uh, format, right? I mean, uh, as far as I know, at least most of them are. Um, uh, are shared, so that's uh, correct. That's good. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Uh, if you mention, for example, MXNet uh, is a is an Apache pro, um, and it's an Apache project, and we are contributing a lot uh, into the development. Again, we are strongly believe that uh, open source is uh, is important. So you gave some nice examples earlier about recommendations and enrollments, helping students with their, well, being successful. Uh, I think what we've been trying to find out is what is a, what is a good starting point for an institution to get, to get going. And well, as, as you know, but most of the listeners probably don't know is that we've been working together, AWS and serve, and we've been doing some, some workshops in this area, working with our member institutions and, one I particularly liked was the workshop where we experimented with with the chatbots, 
to see how this could be a nice way to get to get started with with technology. What is your look on on, on chatbots and their applicability? Mm. So uh, the, the first part of your question is how to get started. And I think you are doing, the, uh, of course, the right approach. You're using the right approach, which is uh, um, basically we need to remove the understanding, uh, as I was saying before, that machine learning is something uh, super complex. It is, uh, you know, behind the scenes, there is a lot of theory, but the application is quite accessible. So doing workshops, you know, um, try to, try to um, take the courage to actually try and do something, you know, um, with, uh, with your, uh, with your hands dirty on the code is the right way to do. And, uh, and so, uh, I welcome uh, initiatives such as uh, workshops, uh, for, for, um, uh, you know, having a real idea of how to do those things. Conversational AI is, is, is very important. As I was saying, uh, one of the goals that we see in AI ML is to reducing uh, the barrier between interacting with processes and machine in general. So conversational AI is one of those. Um, think about um, if you want to interact with a uh, sales department just to see if your uh, if your invoice has been paid off. Right now, if you think about the process, is very manual. Uh, most of the uh, the businesses you need to call them and ask, "Hey, is my invoice being paid? I'm a supplier of you." Um, and what they do is actually you go, they go into the ERP uh, application and they look for the invoice. They then reply. All those processes can be automatized very easily. And conversational uh, AI bots are probably one of the easiest thing and uh, more effective way of doing it. So instead of calling, you just you know um, have a chat box with you. Of, of course, with the uh, all the layers of security that you need, that replies to, to you and say, "Hey, your invoice is due next week, so don't worry." And this is one example, you know, in the sales. But we have hundreds of those in in, in education. It might be the same. If I want to, for example, identify what are the opening hours of um, uh, of the uh, offices in the university, I can just, for example, use a, a chat box. And so it's again simplifying uh, and uh, um, creating creating tools that basically make our life easier. And especially in this uh, situation where we are now, I think uh, all of us appreciate uh, you know those type of things. I I can now uh, quickly <laughs> uh, book an appointment with my doctor uh, through those uh, conversational AI, which is for me is amazing. Something that you know a few years ago we couldn't do it. Looping back to uh, the beginning, you said, or uh, Andres asked, uh, how did you get started? Were you uh, dreaming of a career in AI? And uh, you, uh, you, you said, well, you, you started from a different perspective. So what advice would you like to give to a younger generation of people uh, studying? Uh, should they all become AI experts? Should they all become data scientists? Or is is there another option now? How do you how do you see that? Yeah, so uh, somebody you know more important than me sa said, uh, "Be curious," right? So um, definitely curiosity and um, 
and try to find something you are passionate about and try to solve it with, uh, with machine learning. Again, we don't need to be all data scientists to use machine learning. Uh, and, uh, and I'm one example. So uh, have a passion, identify a problem that you want to solve, get your hands dirty and start to learning those type of things. Uh, a friend of mine who is actually a machine learning practitioner, uh, he, he, when I was starting this journey, he, he told me, Julio, I really need to, to give you a secret. And, um, uh, you know, deep learning is very complex, but and there are an, a lot of uh, algorithms that you might want to use. But there are only two algorithms that are very uh, important uh, in uh, deep learning for you to use deep copy and deep paste <laughs> and what he what he meant <laughs> I, you know, it was fun it was a joke but uh, what he meant is that uh, you know for creating uh, interesting application using AI ML, uh, definitely you can reuse um, the algorithms that, uh, that, that some somebody else with more um, insights on the theory uh, created and then you know build on top of it and uh, for example when you use Amazon SageMaker you can reuse those models and uh, you can create a computer vision application without you being a computer vision expert. So you don't really need to know what a convolutional neural network is, but you can reuse the same architecture for actually making your cool application. Uh, good. Sh should oh, I, oh, sorry, Duke, after you. Oh yeah, no problem, no problem. Should, should a um, uh, machine learning, uh, like, like, like you said, a person that's that's getting in here, it's, he, he or she is using uh, deep uh, copy and deep paste to make something <laughs> new. Um, should those algorithms you develop be also um, uh, preferably shared open source, so it's easier to deep copy and paste uh, from each other as well? So um, I would say that probably uh, we need to thank you all in the in the academics because most of the algorithms uh, they come from the academics. So um, there are hundreds of papers that that solve very very challenging problems. So uh, probably I would give back this uh, this question to you and uh, how probably it should be more accessible uh, the amount of um, of uh, papers or information about that from you know experts like you that are actually doing it for for uh, the, uh, in the academics yeah so so, so that in that case a uh, an, an, an a call for open science as well on the <laughs> on the machine learning algorithms easier to learn if it's accessible uh, for sure yeah in terms of making making it more accessible julio where do you think the biggest obstacle is at the moment that that prevents us from a from, from that breakthrough in a full-scale adoption? Um, I don't really see obstacles. I think, again, is, um, is uh, probably what is holding uh, is still the concept that you need a lot of theory and be a math guru for for doing applications with machine learning. I think this is probably the biggest obstacle. I think we removed many of the obstacles now with cloud computing and uh, and all the um, interesting stuff that we are doing for uh, enabling uh, machine learning with uh, with the platforms such as AWS. So I think the undifferentiated heavy lifting, I would say, uh, we are trying to remove it and we are successful at it. So it's just not now a matter of trying it. And where where do you think that level of proficiency should be if so to speak for example 
could one argue if you are proficient in using Excel, a spreadsheet, and do some formulas there, would that enable me to have enough skills to get going with with ML tools? Or is it not that easy? Um, well, definitely you, uh, you need to... It's an interesting question. Um, I think that, again, depends on the individual. Uh, there are some, you know, uh, skills also to, to develop macros and um, having um, uh, a level of proficiency in programming also in uh, tools like Excel. And um, if, uh, if somebody is curious, even if it doesn't have um, computer science background, what they can do is to enroll in uh, in the various courses that there are even online for uh, for machine learning. There are a few that are available in, uh, for example, in um, online platforms such as Coursera, who recently released a um, machine learning course there on AWS. Or uh, there are training options that we also have. So if somebody is interesting. Uh, interested in uh, in learning machine learning, I would say if they have zero programming language um, skills, probably they want to 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 work on that first. Uh, but then I think is uh, is not that difficult to make the jump and uh, and use those more advanced tools. And again, there are plenty of of online resources. We have. Um, uh, we have a page, for example, in AWS training where you can see the trainings that we do have for uh, for machine learning as well. Thanks, thanks, Julio. And that 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 brings me back to to that very nice starting point that we had that you referenced Star Trek. I always remember that quote from Star Trek: "To boldly go where no man has gone before." I think that is something that that you are already doing, which is great. I think it's very inspiring to us. And maybe to wrap things up, do you have for the listeners some other references or tips from from any books or or movies that you say, well, that is something to to inspire you to help you get started? I think you already mentioned the the courses, etc. Is there something from popular culture that you think as a, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as, a as a tip? You mean apart from watching the entire seasons of Star Trek, all, all of uh, even the ones from the sixties, the, the generations, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, so um, there are a numbers of books. Um, one that I particularly like is the Art of Data Science. That um, that kind of for me was enlightening on understanding how really you can do data science uh, and think in. Um, processes and uh, how how different is, for example, from classical software development. That, for me, was a very nice, interesting uh, reading. Um, something that also I can mention is um, have a look at um, the AWS machine learning blog that we have. There are a number of, uh, of uh, articles which are, well, basically, they go from a very um, shallow level, I would say, in the sense that it is uh, easy to understand for everybody to some more complex uh, matters. But there is a variety that can give um, anyone an idea of what you can do with machine learning. So I was just opening the, 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 the blog today and I saw uh, an interesting uh, article about 
Again, sorry about, but it's still about cats, but it was, <laughs> as, you, as you can imagine, I'm not only a Star Trek fan, but also a cat lover. But um, <laughs> it was about uh, how to identify um, if, uh, if an animal is a playful, in a playful attitude. So in, the, in these articles, they were mentioning how you can recognize if a cat is in the mood of playing uh, with you or with computer vision. So there are very interesting application. Imagine how this can change uh, the way we study animal behavior in, um, uh, in the wild. Uh, but also um, some other interesting, uh, more serious topics, such as, for example, how to use um, computer vision for identifying um, problems in the health, uh, like, you know, cancers and something like that. So it's a very nice, interesting collection of uh, information and articles. Anything about cats is always uh, welcome. <laughs> so <laughs> that one for sure. So we have the blogs and we have the Art of Data Science by Roger Peng, I believe, is one of the authors on that book. Yes. So we will include the link uh, for the listeners uh, on, on, our, on our website. Julio, thank you so much for this for this great, great con conversation where you've given us a great insight in your work and also some clear pointers and, and recommendations. So you were not only predicting today, but you only have given us some clear recommendations on, on, on how we can uh, apply AI and ML, and that is tremendously useful to us. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you thank very you. much. Very interesting. Thank you.